welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, welcome to our online experience. So thankful that you're with us. Remember, we'd love to see you live at Cineplex. It's been a great several weeks now being back here at Cineplex Scotiabank Theatre, which was our old venue prior to the pandemic. As you know, we had a great time in Overflow Brewery and for, for the first several months of this year, and uh, we transitioned back to Cineplex on May 1st. But I'm so thankful that we still get to op- to bring an online experience to you and service you this way if you feel like you can't come because you live abroad or because you don't feel comfortable yet coming back in person. But we'd love to see your face. I want to talk today on culture. I want to talk today on culture. We have a culture in every space and place in society, whether in family, business, government, Our neighborhood, there's culture, media, music, place of employment, church, and the list goes on. There's a culture in every space and in every place. The word culture literally means something that has been cultivated through consistency over time, okay? It's like cultivating a field. It's like cultivating a field, tilling the ground, preparing it for planting, preparing it for watering, preparing it for harvest, Something that um, represents uh, a people group that shares similar values, if not unified values and beliefs that end in some sort of action that look like something that develop the culture that you want to see. When something is consistently cultivated over time, especially when there's shared unified vision, purpose, and values, it develops a culture. There's a culture in your home. There's a culture of your personal life, how you manage your schedule. Culture is a word that really could be found evident every part in every part of our life. There's a culture in, in your health and how you understand and how you value your health. Like you have a health culture, you have a spiritual culture. It's everywhere. Of course, we are kingdom culture. And that's our heart here is that we want you to experience all the kingdom has for you. And of course, this is a lifelong journey. And so I want to talk about culture today. I want to talk about how to create what I call supernatural culture. But we have to create space for culture to be born. We got to create space. It's like if you want to have a harvest, you got to buy a field. You know, you got to plant crop. You got to water it. You got to till the ground. You got to prepare the soil. You got to create a, find a container of time and space. Let's look at the culture of the early church, which we're going to dive into a little bit here in Acts chapter two. Let's look at the culture of the early church in verse 42 of Acts chapter two. It says this, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their faith or fellowship those who were being saved. So I want to talk today for a little bit about supernatural culture through the avenue or lens of community. How do we create supernatural culture based on what we see in the early church, the most, what I would say, supernatural cultural model to follow there ever has been. And so I want to just pray. Father, I pray that for not only the kingdom culture community, but for all those listening right now, whatever they're connected to, workplace, family, place of employment, that God, we would be able to implement supernatural culture within that, that space. But first, it's got to start with us. And I pray that you would teach us how to develop supernatural culture in the home so that everything we do and touch overflows from that place. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we have kids and family, whatever the case may be, God, we have something to bring to the table, to the culture, by making sure that we have a supernatural culture within first in Jesus' name. So before we dive in, we need to understand one important aspect to creating culture, like I said in the beginning, and that's consistency. It is absolutely key. We need consistency. If you're going to create culture, especially a supernatural one, you have to create consistency. For me, it's normal to be out and about and anywhere really and just tap into the gifts of the Spirit. It's normal to prophesy over strangers, to prophesy over unbelievers. It's normal to move in the word of knowledge, step out, pray for the sick. It's normal because I've developed a personal culture of this a long time ago. It's not unfamiliar, not weird, and not something that like I have to try really hard to do because I have a culture of it in my life. I've been consistent in my life. What have you been consistent in? Whatever you're the most consistent in, you have some form of a representation of culture in your life. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, they were in the upper room praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. It says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. One of the things that, that Jesus actually said to the disciples before he left, he said, listen, like wait in Jerusalem, pray together in one place for the, the promised Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to be poured out on you. And for them to position themselves to do that, they created a culture of prayer by being consistent. They were constantly, it said, they met together and they were constantly united in prayer. Now flip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which is our opening passage. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves, devoted themselves. You see all the cultural benefits that took place through devotion to various things that we're going to get into in a little bit. It says at the end of verse 47, they were praising God. They were enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They had a harvest-centered culture. They had a culture where people were just having encounters with Jesus all the time. The power of God was moving. Why did they have that culture? How did they have that culture? Because they had consistency. All the believers in verse 42 says, devoted themselves to various things, which we'll get into in a second. But before we get into 
uh, what they devoted themselves to, I want to break down this word, what devoted means, because it's what we're talking about, being consistent to create culture. The Greek word for devoted means to join, to adhere to, to be ready to give attention to, to be faithful, to be devoted to, to spend much time together and be fully committed to, to give of oneself or to serve. It means, to, or in some translations, we'll word it like continued steadfastly, which means this, and my favorite definition of this word devoted means to persist or to be intently engaged in, and I love this, and to persevere with unrelenting continuance. To persevere with unrelenting continuance. Let that sink in for a second. For the disciples or the believers to devote themselves to the various things that we're going to talk about that created a supernatural culture, they had to persevere with unrelenting continuance. They had to pray with unrelenting continuance until the promised Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. They persevere with unrelenting continuance. The devotion, commitment, and consistency of the early church was reflected in the fruit that was produced in all the kingdom advancements that took place. So I want to outline four obvious that I see, you'll see them already, obvious and important truths to establishing supernatural culture. And really the backbone of it all is we is we see this in the Acts chapter 2, uh, and we see this in Acts chapter 2, is community. The backbone of all of this is community. The culture of the supernatural was established through the believers together, not just one man, not one woman, but the believers coming together and devoting themselves with a perseverance, with an unrelenting continuance. And the backbone of all that was the community, okay? So these four keys or these four uh, truths that I want to outline were active in some of the most maturing and growing times in my life. I literally applied these truths in the beginning, especially in the beginning, of my spiritual journey. And I would be able, I, I'm confident to say that of course there's other variables, but that at the, at the core of everything that I am today can be attributed to applying these things in my life. And I want to encourage you to apply these things to your life and your community that you're connected to. Number one, apostolic teaching. It says all the believers in verse 42 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching apostolic teaching. They continued fast, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They received it, retained it, and acted on its principles. They didn't, you know, apostolic teaching is a teaching, a scriptural and spiritual teaching that builds, that builds for maturity, that builds for stability, that activates you into the thing that God's called you to do. It's the kind of teaching that has impartation. I remember Jesus, God, God was speaking to me years ago about this. And he said, John, teaching is giving your impartation language. The only way it becomes apostolic teaching is when it moves from head to heart and it actually becomes not just a revelation, but a transformation in your life. If you want to teach with power, that has an impartation, so it actually benefits the hearer, you have to have it in your own life first. So here are these the apostles that have been living it, walking it out, and, and experiencing it. 
they were teaching it, the apostles that knew Jesus, that walked with him, they had owned it, they had owned this stuff. And there was this devotion that these guys lived it. And so teaching is giving your impartation language. That's what God spoke to me one day, giving your impart, whatever's inside of you, whatever's been imparted to you, when you teach it, it gives it language. But if you don't have it, it's not real teaching. It's not apostolic teaching. Of course, this is speaking of the uh, ap- the, the, the apostolic leaders that be founded really what we know as the church today, the great ecclesia. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, and also the apostles were the eyewitnesses of Jesus himself, the accounts of Jesus, the 12 apostles. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. We build our life from this space and this place. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, first the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we have all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will be no longer like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You want to know that you're devoting yourselves to apostolic teaching when the fruit of it is that you're stabilized, that you're not all over the place constantly. You're like up and down, up and down. The purpose of the apostle, the purpose of the prophet, the purpose of the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, okay? Those that have been sanctioned by God are to equip God's people to do and fulfill their purpose. And when that teaching goes out and imparts to the hearers, it releases stability and maturity so that they're no longer like children tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching, as it says here in verse 14. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full in love. The purpose of apostolic teaching is so that we would grow healthy and full of love. If this is not happening, I would question whether or not you're in the right room with the right people. The disciples devoted themselves to the the apostles' teaching. Teaching that establishes and lays spiritual blueprints for building life, a life of maturity, no fluff, is where we want to devote ourselves to. But remember, you can hear teaching. You are still responsible to apply it. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The biggest deception that we as believers have to face is not the devil hiding around every bush, every corner. It's going to be hearing lots of good teaching and lots of good information and never applying it. To not be a doer of the word is to live in deception. James puts it like, if you're a hearer only, not a doer, you're actually deceiving yourselves. You think that God cares about how much you know rather than what you know transforming your life. Remember, I've said this over and over again. And I, I, God sh- sh- shared this with me years ago when I was driving to a mentoring meeting and I was mentoring a bunch of people 
And uh, he said to me, he said, Sean, you, you know, the Bible is not the foundation to the Christian faith. It's the Bible applied. It's always the Bible applied. It's always the doing of the word. You can hear, hear, hear all kinds of good teaching. If you don't apply, you will not be transformed. You will not be transformed. I just believe that in this season, there is this continual rise where God is raising up. Yes, there's the false, but God is raising up true apostolic leaders, true prophets, true evangelists, true, true pastors, true teachers to establish and build the house of God as we know it globally. And I believe that as much as there's all kinds of stuff happening to take out the church, God is raising up the church. God is raising up leaders. God is raising up a healthy foundation. He's restoring old foundation that's been cracked and he's raising up and establishing fresh foundation to build from in this hour. I remember back in 2011, I saw God had this open vision. I saw God filling up all these horns of oil. And God began to speak to me because the horn represented, they used to anoint the new king or the new uh, the new man with, with uh, a horn of oil and they would pour the oil on the head of the individual. And, uh, you know, I just saw these, these horns of oil being filled up and I felt like God spoke to me in that time, 2011, and said, Sean, this is like now, this is, you know, 11 years ago. He said, Sean, this is an hour where I am raising up true apostles and prophets to build and strengthen the house of God to bring maturity and alignment. And I believe there's still a great, a great re-reformation happening in this hour in the body of Christ. We need good teaching. We need a revelation that transforms us. And a lot of this happens through time. A lot of this happens through tests. A lot of this happens through, you know, being tested with the teaching that we have received. That's when we become real doers is when we have to actually apply the teaching. It says in Psalms chapter 105 verse 19, until the time that the word, that his word, speaking of Joseph, came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. It tested Joseph's character. The times where we become the most doer savvy of the word after we've received good teaching is when we have the opportunity when we're being tested. The thing about the disciples and the believers in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching because they were seeing the results of it, but they were being tested with it every single day. I mean, there was persecution. There was uproar. It was crazy. It was the beginning stages. I mean, if you think you're a slow adopter now in this day and age, imagine people slowly adopting this whole new way, this whole new message, all these guys walking around doing like crazy miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. And it's like, wow, this is not expected. Like, I don't know if I can swallow this. They were simply being given the opportunity to practice what they preached, practice what they preached. Apostolic teaching strengthens family and initiates kingdom in the community. I love what Danny Silk says this. He says, apostolic leadership restores family to the house. It restores us to being a family and not a political caucus. The kingdom's all about family and apostolic teaching does just this. It restores and builds healthy family. It builds healthy family because it's a healthy version of fathering. And I'm not speaking gender specific, but it's a healthy version of fathering. Number two, Number two, second key, second truth to developing a supernatural community is spiritual unity. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This word for fellowship is the word koinonia in the Greek, and it means a communion by intimate participation, partnership, a brotherhood, a deep sense of spiritual unity, a kind of unity initiated by the Holy Spirit, cementing them together as one, being in agreement with one another and united with one purpose. And this is the first time this word is mentioned in the New Testament, and then it's mentioned 18 more times. Fellowship makes us feel like family. This is how trust is built. The koinonia of the church was strong. They devoted themselves to intimate participation, to spiritual unity. They devoted themselves with unrelenting, the word is unrelenting, continuance. What would it look like to devote yourself to finding spiritual union, to devote yourself to fellowship, to connection? So many of us want to live life alone, life as a rogue. God has not called us to live life as a rogue or life as a maverick, but to live life in unity with one another. Hebrews 10 verse 25, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves. Don't abandon, don't quit the church gathering, okay? The gathering of the ecclesia because you need it. There's value to it. See what happened in the book of Acts. God did amazing things because of the devotion to one another. You think to yourself, how do we have spiritual unity? What does spiritual unity look like? Well, here are some attributes that promote healthy spiritual unity or healthy fellowship. Ephesians chapter four, verse two to three. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, humility, gentleness, patience, making allowance, grace, for each other's faults because you have love. Make every effort to be united. Find peace with each other. This is, this is what healthy community looks like, but this is our, these are some things that could help us find unity and spiritual union with each other. We need to take our place and do what we are called to do. If we wanna have healthy fellowship, Take your place, do what you're called to do. Find your space, find your grace. Figure out how does your gift bring value to the relationship? How does what you are and how you're wired add to the relationship? Relationships are about giving and receiving. But think and take onus on your own self. It's easy to receive, but sometimes it's challenging to give. What are you giving to the relationship? You want spiritual unity? You wanna devote yourself to fellowship? Figure out what does it look like to give? Look, Think about it in the context of church. Like every person in the room listening right now, or even live at the venue, like every person has a place to occupy in the body of the uh, body of Christ. If you are the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, and you make up the bricks that make up the New Testament house of God, the spiritual house of God, you have a place in the wall. Where is your place? Because your place gives to somebody else. Your place allows somebody else to receive strength from you occupying your place that you're called to occupy. Don't just come and be a spectator. Be a part, be uh, connected to the house of God. And in any community that you find yourself in, be a giver in that community. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So this is his plan. I already kind of read part of the scripture earlier on. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So when you do your thing, it helps others grow. You're giving to the relationship so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full in love. 
When you give your part, it helps others grow so that everyone can receive life from the thing that you are called to do. So important. When I first gave my life to Jesus and, uh, and, and came back to, um, from, I, I actually ended up moving. Well, when I first gave my life to Jesus, actually, I had a small group of friends that we hung out all the time. And I would say that like the, the, the greatest part of the success of the beginning stages of my journey, yes, it was the personal, private focus on, on God and, and, and my encounters with him, but man, like I had the right people in my corner. I like, I grew exponentially because of fellowship. I devoted myself. And then when I moved to Minnesota, the same thing, and I moved back from Minnesota, like I devoted myself to the right fellowship, the right environment, the right connections, and being under the right influence. Like these are three important things. Like your environment, your connections, and your influence, massive when it comes to growing in spiritual unity and seeing the kind of culture that God wants to see in and through your life. It's all about the fellowship. It's all about the people that you are aligned with. Number three, food plus God. Food plus God. This includes the Lord's Supper, of course, but it says here, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. The sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. So they would eat together. Food was a huge part. I mean, you go to Israel, you hang out with Jewish people. Food is a huge part of culture. In fact, food, having lunch with somebody or dinner with somebody, sharing at a table with somebody represented that like, I want to. I want to be connected to you. Like, like if you're at my table, there there is an intimate connection, not physical intimacy, but like an intimate connection that that I am wanting to have with you. There's a bonding that's happening. Some of my favorite experiences in growing in God is having some of the most amazing food with some of the most amazing people, and then having encounters out of that, experiencing God out of that, experiencing God's kindness, like. Maybe God begins to move in prophecy. Maybe God begins to encourage the individual. Maybe we just have a life-giving moment because we're hanging out with people that we love and eating food that's just mind-blowing. And then, of course, communion. We teach here at Kingdom Culture the power of communion and the power of healing that's found in communion. And I've seen so many people healed in communion. Like, talking about supernatural culture, when you take communion and you're eating with people, like, it's like the breeding ground for the supernatural to be made manifest because God loves fellowship. He dwells in that space of unity. When people come together in unity, he dwells in that space. He loves that space. And we see this all throughout scripture. We see the power of the supernatural, even in the story of Luke chapter 24, about the two disciples' journey to the village called Emmaus. And in verse 30 to 32, like Jesus was trying to get them to, to basically like let, let him go. And they didn't know the whole time that they were talking to Jesus. Jesus was talking to them as a resurrected man. And they were talking about their discouragement. They didn't know what was going on. And here they are, they're talking, they're sharing the scriptures, their hearts were burning within them, they said. And they tried to convince Jesus um, to stay or sorry, to stay, sorry. Jesus was trying to convince them to, to let them to let him go. So he stayed, and when they broke bread, they shared a meal, it says their eyes were opened. Like, our eyes are open to supernatural 
when we're in this space. Not only just sharing the Lord's Supper, but sharing a meal together. Like God really can move in on those moments. So we have for our third truth and key for developing supernatural culture through community, we have God plus food. Number four, we have prayer plus worship. Prayer plus worship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And I and I added worship in here because in verse 46 of chapter 2, it says they worship together at the temple each day. Man, think about this. They devoted themselves. There was a consistent life of prayer and worship. You're thinking to yourself, well, how can I do this? I mean, I got to work. I got I a family to feed. How can I do this? You can do this in your own life. You could do this with your spouse, with your kids, even with your coworkers. You could start, you know, a, a, a small group that meets before work starts. You, I mean, there's, there's always a way. You have an excuse. We have excuses. But there is always a way. They devoted themselves to prayer and to worship. Yes, they had prayer times and a certain time of the day where they would worship. But they also had a prayer culture. They had a worship culture. First Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. That little, like, it literally means never stop praying. But it doesn't mean like I'm in prayer like 24 hours a day and I can't talk to anybody. It means that I'm just always in conversation with God. I'm always in a place of thinking on God. I'm always in a place of including God in my everyday. When it comes to worship, I don't have to be in a worship service. I don't have to be in the church in a worship service. But hey, I could be like literally singing praise to God, like just being thankful to God all day long, being honoring God with my my heart, honoring God with my mind, honoring God even while I'm doing laundry, while I'm working on this thing, doing this, doing this deal or, you know, in this relationship, business relationship with this individual, signing a contract, whatever the case may be. Like I can be in a space of gratitude and worship because worship is simply a, a heart posture that is simply just thankful simply thankful. They dedicated themselves. They dedicated themselves to prayer. Prayer has an effect. Prayer brings a result. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Prayer is a huge part of our journey moving forward, developing a supernatural culture. Worship is a huge part of developing a supernatural culture in our life. We need a culture, like I said, of prayer. Daniel 6, chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel prayed three times a day. He had a regimented prayer time. He was known for a culture of prayer, consistency of prayer. And you see how that was demonstrated throughout his life. We have a, a ministry here called 24-7 Prayer. I'd encourage you to sign up. We'll put the information on the screen. Get Find a prayer slot. Join prayer because you know what? God wants a praying church. The Bible says that his house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And so we want that. So, I mean, part of devoting yourselves, part of devoting yourselves to prayer is also committing to moments where you do pray, not just throughout the day, but a block of time. Maybe you dedicate to God to pray, to contend for what he has for you. Number five, fifth key, and then we're done. Generosity. Generosity. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 44, all the believers went together in one place and shared everything that, everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and 
generosity. Generosity is the language of love. Let me say that again. Generosity is the language of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus gave his one and only son. It's the language of love. This is supernatural culture, which becomes kingdom culture, and it's done through community. This is a great charge for us in this season, for you in this season. For all of us listening today, if we can implement these five keys, these five truths, I believe we will see supernatural culture in and through our life, but we need community. We need people. And generosity is at the core of all of that. Like I said, it's the language of love. Jesus said in John 3, 16, it says of Jesus that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I believe that as kingdom culture, we are a generous culture, both in our time, our gifts, but also in our finances. And it's really all those things that create, that are a part of creating a supernatural culture. And that happens through community. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone listening right now. God, I pray that you would move in power in their lives. I pray that you would help develop in and through them a supernatural culture in this season through community. I pray that they would find a new sense of devotion, devoting themselves to the right teaching, devoting themselves to um, generosity and to fellowship and to hanging out with people, sharing a meal, the Lord's Supper. They would devote themselves to prayer and worship in a way, God, that would show great results in Jesus' name in this next season. God, I just pray for everybody listening right now that you'd give us a revelation of what you want to do in and through our lives in this season, in our families, in our businesses, in our jobs, in our place of employment, in our personal lives when it comes to, it's got to develop first in us before it develops anywhere else. And so I pray that you would put that culture within us so that we can bring that to all the cultures that we are connected to that already exist around us in Jesus' name and see the supernatural, the kingdom really penetrate in a powerful way in Jesus' name. God bless you, kingdom culture. Have a great week. We will see you next week.